0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mill Rights Indicator podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Stevens. This is where we talk about everything 2158 mill rates related. It's been a long time, but I'm joined here today by Mr. John Mix, our very own business representative. How are you, Mr. Mix?
1: Very good. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, thanks for coming. It's been a long time. I appreciate kicking this podcast off again with you, sir. It's going to be an experience to remember.
1: A true pleasure <laughs> of audio proportion.
0: So we've been talking about some different things that we want to be able to get around to, especially with the hiatus, with the COVIDs and whatnot. Um, luckily to see that some things are changing. Uh, people are able to get back out to work. Um, things are picking up. What does the numbers around the area look like for you? Uh,
1: over on my sector, we are looking at some huge projects that are coming to light that we're going to need members for. Um, As you guys know, Amazon's the top of the future right now, and we have three in our area right now that are getting built out. Um, Two of those are the building, the shells almost complete, so the internals, the conveyor, the dock doors, all those components are going to be the next phase. So depending on what one takes off first, we could see a flux of manpower needs anywhere from 100 to 200 people, depending if they have their supply set up just in those two different areas
0: awesome that is so good to hear about our area to be able to get these um of course amazon's been around for a while but they're making it huge in the illinois iowa yeah um region i mean they're going down like crazy i know there's another one going up in davenport as well
1: and that one that it's one of the bigger one modules that they're doing It's a five level like almost a million square foot on every level so essentially five million square foot of all your packages.
0: Now, I just heard about a member that we have actually out in New York state. Kill yeah. Killfish is that the name of the
1: mm, I'm not familiar what town it's in, but yeah, they're one of our contractors that have done a couple in our area, like the one up at the Rockford Airport. Um they get, you know, you get familiar with working on this stuff, so they want to keep you in that loop, that that niche so to say. And, yeah, our members do travel to keep, you know, the 2158 name. Of course, we're highly sought after for our skills.
0: So it's fairly safe to say that they came here, they used our guys, and then uh, took them with them, huh? Yeah. Liked what they saw. Yeah. What a good feeling.
1: Yeah, it's a great feeling. And that's, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is, you know, our apprentices, our journeymen, the pre-apprentices trying to get into the program with the 2158. Um, I try to make it known to them that they're a marketable asset. So, you know, you come in with a skill, that's great, that's awesome, you have that skill. But our trade, we have many skills. So, you know, back in the day when I first started doing work, you know, with the tools, we'd use a torch, heat a bolt up, you know, break it loose with sledgehammers and uh, slugging wrenches. Now they got high torques that do it for you. I mean, the the advancement there in the tooling, the technology is something that's you know safer, faster, more reliable.
0: Let's just talk about a high torque just real quick for maybe somebody who doesn't know what that is. Can we give just a brief overview, just a layman's?
1: So a high torque um, is a hydraulically driven wrench socket. So like your impact, you know, it it hits and turns like a big drill. This does it all with hydraulics, pressure pushing your uh your ram to turn the socket whatever way you desire
0: so what are some examples of some of the um pressures that we're able to reach with some of these hydraulic torquing
1: oh hydraulic torquing i mean it that all depends on the the size of head you have you know you got small heads that will do your you know your 100 foot pounds and then you get up to the bigger 10x 20xt where the head alone that's what holds your socket weighs 50 100 pounds i mean they're massive they could do 10,000 pounds like No problem.
0: So anybody that doesn't know, historically, if we needed to torque something or stretch a bolt in order to maintain tension, we had to physically overcome the load as far as if we don't have enough leverage with the wrench that we have, we need a longer wrench to gain leverage, to gain foot pounds, to gain the spring out of the bolt.
1: The spring out of the bolt.
0: So now we're able to use these hydraulics. Um, It's going to be powered by electrical, Mm
1: -hmm. plugged
0: into some sort of electrical circuit, and uh, we can just calculate... However many psi we need to generate through the head will equal however many foot pounds of torque on the output. To where it's just a quick little, um, quick little math problem. Yep, you a set preset.
1: Your, you set it. You run it a couple times. You know, not loaded. Make sure it's not bleeding off or anything. Then you you do your test run. Make sure that you do hit your desired. So that if it's sometimes those pressure gauges can be a little you know finicky. So you might be coming in just under. So then you set your pressure. So when it's under a load. It's still good. And then, yeah, go to town.
0: Man, I can only imagine the type of um, gains that we were able to get when the hydraulic tensioning really hit the market running hard. Uh, You're going to take something that required several people and lots of time to now you can do it with very few people in a very, very short amount of time.
1: Oh, yeah. With high accuracy. High accuracy. No more... Heating everything till it's glowing red and then trying to turn it half a flat because that was your calculated. Absolutely. When, and then when you do that, the next one loosens up. So, yeah, no, this is way better outcome. Much safer. The wild safer. world of torque specs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mill rate right tight. That's good. Run it.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's it. You did touch on a, uh, something else that I want to be able to pull out of that last little sample. You were talking about pre-apprentices. hmm Now, some of the pre-apprentices that we get, of course, we get a whole – Uh, array of people that have a different background from a previous life set that they had before they came here. Um, Some guys were welders in their past life. Some guys were concrete um, finishers or pourers in their last life. Some guys were laborers.
1: Laborers, farm hands. I mean, we come from all different facets yet, you know.
0: So what would you have to say to a guy who maybe has I don't want to say low skills but maybe a very narrow set of skills that just has not yet been flourished? Well, what would you say to that guy?
1: I would say if you have any interest at all in the mechanical aspect, you know, taking machines apart, setting them up, leveling them, installing them, dismantling them, anything like that, um, this is the trade you'd really want to get into. And And if you're feeling hesitant because you don't think your skills are set, I will stand behind any of our instructors. You know, if you have the willingness to learn, the willingness to put in the effort, effort, They'll stay after class to make sure you understand it. They will, you know, we do weekend refreshers for before you come in for the interview process, for the math tests that we administer. Um, we're putting in all the effort we can so that we know the product we turn out, a.k.a. the member, is not set up to fail. You know, we're, we're out here set up for success.
0: So we have one of the highest demand um, careers that are out there right now. And we need to build the most high in demand mill rights that we can as well here at the training center. Yeah. Um so guys that have these maybe a more narrow band of skill sets, they shouldn't be fearful that they can only do this or they're only good at that. Um what
1: does diversity speak to you? Diversity, I think, in the field's great. Yeah, like we were talking the Amazons, you could get in a run where you're just doing, you know, shipping fulfillment centers where you're doing the conveyor, you're doing all uh, the dock levelers, all the automatic settings and stuff like that. That's great. You know, you, you improve your skill set on the job. That's what I try to explain to the apprentices when I talk to them. You know, the wages are set up how they are because it's on-job training. You know, you don't have to pay to college to learn your skill set. You go to work and you learn from your your mentor journeyman, other apprentices, um, small mistakes you might make, and then just realizing there's a better way to do it. You know, that's, that's 90% of you know, how you become better is taking, taking those jobs, hey, you know, I send you out for a one day job. And during that one day job, they notice, oh, no, it there's more to this than we thought. So that one day job could turn into a couple week job, a couple month job and all the long, you know, you show up with a great attitude, you show up every day on time, they're going to keep you around. I mean, like I said, marketable asset, you know, if if you order something and it comes in subpar, the chance of you ordering it again, you're going to find a different product you're going to find something else out there i mean that's whether it's a car a new cell phone you know you want what you pay for
0: so as far as the diversity in our trade we need diversity in individuals but we also need a diversity in a skill set right yeah Um, yeah the mill rice is always forever evolving always Um, evolving yeah there's always something new to learn there's always a better way a new technique new products new options but we're also getting into new facilities just like these Amazons. Amazons. Our forefathers, if you will, didn't have these automated fulfillment centers. So we're kind of cutting edge on this. Uh, We're one of the first big pushes of uh, guys in our area that are dealing with a lot of these automated things, a lot of these bigger fulfillment centers um, on a big scale, on a big Amazon scale.
1: Yeah, and and even with that being state-of-the-art, turn-of-the-century, it still comes down to our simplistic, it's a conveyor system. I mean, it moves something from point A to point B, so that has to be level, aligned, and, you know, tracked. I mean, so even as that develops, it's still going to have components of the, you know. Our fundamentals. Our fundamentals. You go back to the simple machines, the screw, the lever, um, the wheel. I mean, everything at one point comes back to that aspect.
0: And that's one thing that I love about our training center here. Yes, we're furthering and advancing and we're constantly expanding our horizons and our technologies and everything, but it is all rooted in a very simplistic, find it, fix it, um, mentality.
1: Yeah. And I always hate when people say, Hey, we're working ourselves out of a job. No, you're working yourself into, so to say job security. Cause if you go in, do it right. It runs great. If they have another issue, they're probably going to call you back. Say, Hey, you knocked this one out of the park. What about this?
0: So, uh, just for an example, if uh, there's one product line that moves a million dollars worth of product an hour, mm-hmm. to have a handful of millwrights and they're making the wages that we make is a drop in the bucket to them as long as that product line is still moving that million dollars an hour. It's when that million dollars an hour stops unexpectedly that panic sets
1: That's up. yeah. So, you sort of touched on so, million dollars, you know, an hour. Um, all your electric producing companies, whether it's, you know, nuclear, steam, uh, coal, you know, when they're off the grid, they're not making money. I mean, so that's why they do the planned outages, those aspects. They know, hey, it's going to cost us X amount. We want to bring in the best we can bring in so we can alleviate as many problems as we can on the books, get it back up into a brand new condition and run it again, you know, breaker to breaker without shutting it down on unexpectedly. <laughs> unexpectedly. Yep. Yeah.
0: Do you see any advancements in that power sector? I know we hear about it a lot on a national level, but here at a local level, are we seeing any advancements? I know we do a lot in the coal facilities and we do a lot in the um, nuclear areas, Yep. but can we speak to any more of these renewables or anything?
1: The renewables, so right now, um, Iowa, in our jurisdiction, has always done the wind. They've been doing it for a while. Illinois has had wind too, but they're now catching up with that. Um, they're doing upgrades on the wind towers, putting in bigger, bigger tower components to double their output. Uh, the solar, that's the new next big phase. Um, there's two in our jurisdiction right now that are, I don't want to say in the working progress cause it's all been approved by County boards and stuff like that. But, uh, 500 megawatts per unit. Now it's, it's a little weird to break down, but I did the math. And it's roughly just under seven square miles of land to equal these 500 megawatts. And they articulate. So as the sun tracks through the day from the east to the west, the whole panel will then, you know, move, tilt. And then at the end of the night, they use their reserved energy or pull it back off the grid that they just put to to track it back to the, the morning so it's ready to go for the next day.
0: So how big are some of these solar farms, some of these solar arrays?
1: So if you, you've probably seen a couple of them, you know, different – municipalities have, uh, smaller s- systems, but this 500 megawatt, like I said, it's, you know, seven miles across seven miles down, big, huge seven square mile field actually. I'd, yeah. You know, seven square miles of just solar. And, you know, it's not, it's not going to be all, you know, a perfect square. Obviously there's roads. So it's going to, I mean, it's taken up the one that I know of that I was going to the County board, um, is going to be South of Dixon, Illinois. And yeah, it's, I mean, I think there was 51 parcels that, it, you know, and this is farmland parcels, so it's acreage, sure. you know. Um, it, the acreage breaks down to, if you're familiar with acreage, it's uh, 3,838 acres is what that one will will do. And an acre, I think last time I checked was like 227 feet by 227 feet. Hmm. Now times that by.
0: So a decent chunk. Yeah, it's. it's- it will be seen. Yeah. but That's one thing that is new in our area, though. We can, here in the Quad Cities, there's not a place to just go check out a solar array. Not very many, anyways, um, outside of your personals. Yeah. To see something that's just huge and awe-striking is uh, sometimes maybe a culture shock to people in our area.
1: And it is. And so if you look at it as a culture shock, so take the simple fact, the, the, the big pushback on this one in Lee County was you're losing farmland. Well, the farmland, the, the the corn, probably was getting turned into ethanol, which then was used for fuel. I mean, so now we're just harvesting the sun. You know, you're still, we're still making a product. And this way we're cutting out a lot of the middleman. Um, yeah, it's, it's, to see something that big, you know, you could Google it out in the desert. And the one thing I did learn about this is in order for a solar farm to... You know, make money because no one wants to just throw money away. You know, I know it's for the, the good of the planet, but you're you're not going to see hedge fund investors just wasting money just for the the so-called <laughs> green of the earth. They want their own green. Um, it needs to be in a relationship to a main transmission line. And in Lee County, there you have a huge transmission lines that feed off of the the little power plants, the peaker plants there from the the nuke plant that feeds that area. You know, so we had there. That's already set in stone. So for them to put in a new transmission system to get back to the grid would outweigh the the net gross of the profit. So so there
0: has to be a certain bit of a minimum. Uh, what do I want to say?
1: The geographic infrastructure. Yeah, the, that the geographic needs be location employer. has to have some pre-existing requirements as far close to a transmission line or something to connect it. I mean, we don't have the technology yet, or it's not costly enough to put a solar field up somewhere, You know, capture all the electricity into a a huge battery, and then port that all over. I mean, maybe one day. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, that all comes down to cost and effect.
0: Well, if there's one thing that I – and I'm no solar genius guru, barely a solar user as far as panels. One thing that I have noticed, though, for my own personal – um adventures is these technologies are getting very very good um the efficiencies that we're able to come out at just the handy homeowner level i want to go camping off the grid i have these couple of solar panels a solar charger um or a solar controller sorry and and a, a few batteries and i'm able to go the whole weekend without ever looking back at it to where even maybe 10 years ago that would have not been unheard of but far more costly
1: well, yeah, so if you're talking technology, if you look back into the first supercomputers, they would take up, you know, a small Walgreens. The whole computer would. And all that comu- computing power can be now put into the something the size of your thumbnail. And even then, I mean, look at our phones nowadays. Sure. They do what used to take up an office full, your typewriter, your voice recorder, your camera, your computer. Now we got the Internet, so you have all your encyclopedias, all your data, you know, games, I mean wh- whatever you have it's all right there in your, your possession. and yeah as technology moves forward obviously they're making advancements on a faster better output you know that's just how we are and same thing goes with rights. hey we need instant gratification as as a person nowadays well so do the companies that hire us they want to see results they you know if they're paying the money they want good you know great attitudes come in do your work you know that's who we are. And that's what I always say back to, you know, the marketable asset. You know, if you're going to buy something, buy the best you can by 2158.
0: Absolutely. You know, <laughs>
1: I was fortunate enough to go through the apprenticeship. I've learned a lot. And even with that, I learned even more out in the field. So, you know, I tell the kids, don't. You know, I, I say kids generally because some of them are grown men and it, adults. It, the, and
0: The vast majority, just in the 10 years that I've been in, I've noticed a trend myself of the younger applicant coming through the door. And I, I think the target of hitting the high schools, I think it's paying off on our end. And
1: so that's, that's your ebb and flow. You know? Yeah. You get an 18 year old in. some are going to be great. They see the big picture and then you're going to get the one kids like everybody else. You know, we've all had our, our rum springer where you go out and get free life and you get some big paychecks and you never see the kid again. Uh-huh. Um, But no, they're, everybody nowadays i think the schools are talking more about the trades uh last month i just went to the whiteside county vocational center and any student that was in sort of a trade related program whether it was welding or um automotive i'm trying to think of the other ones they had they'd come through and they would i was there at representing the millwrights on um, the the electricians were there iron workers um the plumber pipe fitters they were there you know we're all talking to them and i always told them, hey Whatever you do, whether you go into a trade, whether you become a millwright, whether you, you know, go serve tables, do the best you do. I mean, it's going to be the best th- the best for you. I mean, just always, always know that you can always better yourself. And then with us here, bettering ourselves, we can always come back and do upgrade classes. We can go out to Vegas, go through those turbine classes. They're putting together um, a mechatronics class that's in the works right now. I mean, there's always there's always opportunities for internal growth and expansion.
0: And I don't know if every local or not even local, every training center across North America, I would assume they'd be on the same principle as if you're a member and you're our member, then you are open to our uh, technology. You're open to our information. If you graduated the apprenticeship 20 years ago and then a new class comes out of something that sparks your interest, you're more than welcome. You are urged to come through and take that class.
1: Yeah, contact a business representative, contact the training center. I mean, start making those calls. We want we want to make sure our our assets, our products, our members are fully equipped to tackle everyday challenges, are fully equipped to, you know, not even being a master at, at one thing, but Hey, I show up. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yep. Bolt goes left, comes out. That's great. Bolt's not coming left, coming out. Oh, it's you know, left-handed screw. Maybe it goes the other way. You know, <laughs> we'll figure it out. That's, absolutely. you know,
0: absolutely. Any problem you throw enough Miller right at they'll solve. Yeah. Yep. Guaranteed. So one thing that I kind of want to touch on is our training center. We're here in Bettendorf right now. We're one block from the beautiful Mississippi river located on the Iowa side. But we also have a brand-new, fabulous, huge monstrosity of a training center that's going up over in Moline, Illinois right now.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, Walls are coming up. They're up. Uh, The red iron's getting worked right now. The mezzanine's getting put together. $10 million, you know, state-of-the-art facility. I mean, this isn't going to be a hole in the wall right there on John Deere Drive. So anybody coming in to commute into Silvis, Moline, you know, just get off the interstate to get gas. I mean, they're going to come right by it. It's, It's great placement. Um, we will have our union hall set back on the same property so we can always you know like we do now with the hall now we go back see the apprentices and you know
0: you guys are always on site it's always good to see uh the representation you're not just a, a voice on the phone yep just you're trying a per- to you're a person in the room
1: yeah and I always try to make the face to face I might not remember everybody you know there's right now we have roughly 950 members and growing um but as long as they know who I am who Jim is who Derek is you know we're We're here to help them succeed to help the hall you know prosper and that's what it's all about taking care of each other and
0: and i know just you guys coming back puts our members i don't want to say more of at ease but it puts them on a personal level with you like Mm -hmm. i said they can shake your hand they can look you in the eyes they can ask you the tough questions they can ask you the easy questions Mm -hmm. but they're gonna get an answer
1: yeah you're just not a number you know everybody has a phone number everybody has a brotherhood number but everybody's different.
0: And that's one dynamic that I really, really like here is we're not split. We're not a training center and a front office. We're a training center that has a front office. If you're at the training center and you need business, you need union business answered, then you can go right up front. We have everybody that you need. You don't need to travel anywhere. You don't need to make a bunch of phone calls. It's all done right here in-house. In-house, yeah. And it's only going to get bigger and better because we are bringing together the carpenters, And the Millwrights are going to be in the same campus now. Yeah. So we're going to have one huge training center. It's going to have tons of rooms, tons of space, which is one thing that we love. Um, But it's going to have the best of the best. It's going to have brand new everything. It's going to have cutting edge, top of the line. And, brother, we're excited for it.
1: Oh, I I am truly excited for it. I mean, the training center I went through, I thought was great. I mean, I was taught with good instructors, Chris and Jam, I was taught with good instructors, Chris and Dan, uh, before you came on. And, uh, I mean, yeah, everything we had was great. And now to see it to become even better, like our tooling we were talking about earlier, you know, before we used to heat bolts up. And now now we have better tools to teach people right, with. Right, right. I mean, w- what's going to come about that? We're going to have better, you know, better members, better.
0: Now instead of just that one tool hitting the job site and then you get one journeyman who gets the crash course on it and now all of a sudden that's his baby and then, you're only fortunate enough to know if you get paired up with that journeyman and be able to use that tool on that specific job. Now everybody that comes out of here as a third year apprentice is high torque certified.
1: High torque certified. Optaline. Opti-Line. I mean, we take that with a grain of salt because in the last ten years everybody has one pretty much.
0: And what the optaline is, is this is uh, laser alignment for rotating equipment to within one thousandth of an inch.
1: Exactly. And I, I was fortunate enough. Enough to work on a job where we we started off with the dials, and yeah, you get it done, and then we got a cheap laser alignment tool in, and yeah, that I mean that sped that up, and then we got the good one in, and you're making two moves and the thing's done. So
0: for our customers, you know, that's just another benefit of going with us. That's just an example of an advancement that we were able to invest in and able to share the wealth on. Now instead of those journeymen being able to do it with dial indicator, which
1: still can be done.
0: Exactly. In our journeyman we still teach that class just because we want you to still have the old school abilities and the know-how of what this machine is telling us.
1: And exactly what I was just going to say is um by doing them with the dial, then when you move to the next next phase, the laser, you understand why it wants you to do this because you know one side is high, one side's low. You you understand the the process instead of just doing what you're told, you know, you you get it.
0: And so by taking these steps, we're able to guarantee speed and accuracy for our end users. Yeah. For an alignment that's tighter than it's ever been, set in a record amount of time than it's ever had before to be able to achieve that alignment. Exactly. And if we can make things turn and we can make them turn better, it's going to make them turn cheaper.
1: Cheaper. Absolutely. And then, like I said, job security, if you did that to that one, hey, we got a bunch of pumps. Can you tweak all these back up into your guys' specs?
0: Now, just rounding everything back out, that brings in that pre-apprentice that we started the day off with, being able to take him through all of these technical, technological advances, pairing him up with these journeymen that have been doing the old school and, and are now trained in the new school. We're able to take this pre-apprentice who had a very narrow set of skills at the very beginning of our conversation, and we can drive him into being the most outstanding millwright that they w- we can put together here. In the Midwest
1: yeah and like mm-hmm. what you said go on that route you can also take that new apprentice who's more computer tech savvy with all these advancements you know that's the route they're going to be going with can then relay that back to our uh, more seasoned mm-hmm. veterans that have done it the old school way and by merging both of them you know it's it's that
0: so we're, we're at a very unique point in the millwright evolution if you will we're at the cutting edge of We are very, very well uh, rounded with the old school. The old school has been around. It's tried and true. It showed us the way. But we've able to come through and introduce these computers um, and these other technological advancements to be able to take the old school, speed it up, and like Mm -hmm. you said, bring that more computer savvy, more um, technologically driven individual and harness them with the same old school technology but with a new fast cutting edge approach. And be able to seal up some of these jobs in record times that we weren't able to do. You don't have to go to a print
1: room anymore. you got an iPad or a tablet with you, and you can pull up all the prints, blow it up into a 3D um, CAD drawing, and see all your dimensions right there.
0: And one thing that our apprenticeship has done a great job at that I think, and maybe it's a biased opinion, but we have an awesome balance of the old school and the new school. We don't want to lose what we knew. We want to be able to continue to grow on what we do know. We don't want to lose that journeyman who he might be 40 years in, but everything that he knew back then is still uh, being used today.
1: We can go back to the alignment. You know, you start with your basics. You start with your original, you know, your your leverage, your lever, your screw, your wheel. Everything builds off of a basic, and it improves. So, yeah, with, you know, you have those 40-year members who could probably do an alignment Probably just as fast as someone just starting out doing it with the opt-line with the setup and everything. Sure. So once you start marrying those two together, you're getting awesome, awesome.
0: We're getting situations that we can always climb out of. Yeah. Um, yep. We're not being stumped. We're not having these failures or nothing like that. That's not like we need one particular crew that has a skill set above others. Um, we marry everything together here and we make sure that everybody's toolbox is loaded with as much knowledge and investment that we can to be able to get these guys out there turning out some of the best work that we can.
1: It comes down to taking pride in your work, taking pride in to better yourself, to better, you know, your skill set. If if you do that, I mean, the sky's the limit, you know, that, that old term. You can climb as high as you want. You know, it's when people get complacent and oh, I'm good in this niche. Oh, great, awesome.
0: But we, but we have an an environment here at the training center that we try and squash that as best as possible. Mm-hmm. We pride ourselves in taking people out of their comfort level and sliding them right into another one that they never knew they had.
1: Oh, I always, I always love seeing first day of optics. Trying to, I still remember the first time I tried to level up a tripod. <laughs> yeah, I got it good, and then when you put the the n3 on there like oh that was way out (laughs) that was way out but at the end of it i was shooting like i've been doing it for the past three days you know great spot on (laughs) (laughs) but with that being said i go back to saying any questions i'm uh chris is there to help i mean hey well what are you looking at no 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 you gotta okay try this oh there it is oh
0: now all of a sudden.
1: I see. <laughs> I see the lens cap was on. I gotcha.
0: It's the funny thing about a process.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> learn from your own mistakes. You'll definitely learn better.
0: Well, this has been an awesome interview. I thank you for coming in, giving us your time, coming in off the road. I know you got a big uh, jurisdiction that you travel. You're the northern half of Illinois for the most part, right? Maybe northern third? Yeah,
1: roughly. Just so, about up to Chicago and then down to, like, Streeter. Nice. Um, it's either 16 or 18 counties. I have it written down somewhere. So we have, it's a couple. Here at
0: 2158, we have such a large geographical area that we have to split all these areas up amongst, um, amongst all the business representatives that we have to try and get a fraction of it covered because yeah. we have so much ground to be able to go through. But another fantastic episode. Thank you so much for coming in. Hopefully you're listening to this and some of these things have triggered uh, something about yourself as far as maybe you would like to join the Uh Maybe there's somebody out there in your life that, the rights would be a great choice based upon uh, some of the things that you've heard here today, previous episodes. Uh, this is the main reason why we're here is to try and get these candidates in here so that we can build the best hall, the best local, and the best mill rights in the country. I agree. So this has been another podcast from the mill rights Indicator podcast. I'm Jeremy Stevens. We're still in Bendorf, Iowa for right now, but we're looking forward to coming to you from Moline, Illinois. Thanks again. If you have any questions or you have any advice on future topics or anything like that, go ahead and send me an email jstevens at newoneshicap.org. That's jstevens at chicap.org. Thanks again.